Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. Good afternoon, everyone. We're now going to read the Bible, so please open up to Hebrews. And we'll be looking at chapter 3, verses 7 to 14. All right, so starting from verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years, Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become companions of the Messiah if we hold firmly until the end, the reality that we had at the start. Well, good evening, everyone. It is good to see you. Uh, For those who don't know me, my name is Chris, and I'm part of the ministry staff team here. And I've got the great privilege of opening up God's word for us tonight. Um, For those who are just joining us, perhaps for the first time, we're actually in the end of a sermon series that we've been going through all term. It's been a significant series for our church as we've been thinking about what are the vital signs of a disciple of Jesus. And so as Trav said, we're at the end of that uh, fruit pizza and we're up to the kiwi fruit. And what we're going to be thinking about tonight is that a disciple of Jesus takes next steps. And so we're going to be looking at Hebrews for that. But before we go any further, let's ask for God's help because we need it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us and that you are our God because of Jesus. I thank you that you promise to strengthen us and to help us and to uphold us with your right hand. And so, Father, as we hear from your word tonight, would you help us not to harden our hearts, but would we listen and be changed? And I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation where you've, you know, you've been doing something or you've experienced something and you just think, I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I can make it. I'm sure we're all aware of that famous landmark in Marsden Park, the great golden and blue box that is Ikea. It's like when you walk into Ikea, it's like you're you're going into this, you know, different world. It's like a portal and you get immersed in this advertisement. And you're probably only there to get like a pop plan or a picture frame or something little, but it kind of sucks you in. And you're like, oh my goodness, like this is what my study nook could look like. This is what my lounge room 
could be looking like. And you follow the arrows, you follow the maze, you kind of get lost a little bit, but you kind of, you're sucked in there. And it starts off really, really well. You know, it's all smiles. Your sights are set pretty high. You're dreaming pretty big. But at least for me, that doesn't last too long. Because, you know, hours later, I get home, eventually open the box. There's screws everywhere. There's parts everywhere. I end up breaking something. So you've got to go back to Ikea to get the thing again. And I'm looking at this mess and I just go, I don't know how, how I can keep going. I don't know how I can finish this. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you think you're a bit of an Ikea master and you're thinking, Chris, you're just soft. But you have thought that thought before, not with Ikea, but with like life and faith. Because, you know, life is hard and we're busy. We're going to be thinking about that, particularly as we come to the book of Hebrews. But just a little context so we kind of know where we're landing. This is a book that was written to Hebrew Christians, which means that they were like coming from a Jewish tradition from the law. There wasn't heaps of them and they were facing persecution. It was hard. And so what does the author do in this book? Well, like the main theme of Hebrews is Jesus, that Jesus is better, that Jesus is better than angels, that Jesus is better than Moses, that Jesus is better than the high priest. And just a little side note, in term two, we're going to be doing a sermon series in the book of Leviticus, and we're going to be dipping more into the book of Hebrews. Stay tuned. But where we're landing in Hebrews is chapter three. And what the author does is the author quotes Psalm 95. They would have known it because that was like the, the Sabbath day psalm. It was familiar. But why does he do that? What he's doing, he, he's giving these Christians a bit of a history lesson of a moment in Israel's history. And I think the big reason, firstly, why he does this is that he gives them a warning. Look in verse 7. He says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. I want you to try to imagine for a moment that you were one of the Israelites who was a slave in Egypt. You were oppressed. It was hard. But you heard about this Moses who came and you witnessed crazy things. And you were told to slaughter an animal and to take the blood of that animal and put it over the doorpost of your house. And that would protect your eldest son. And so you're, imagine you're there that night and you're wondering, you're hearing shrieks from Egyptian houses. And then you go look for your son and you see that your son's safe. 
and you think the blood's worked. You go to sleep and you wake up the next day and you leave your house and as you leave your house, you see that there's this mass of people, like a million or a million and a half. All the Israelites swarming and they are departing. And you just think, this this surely can't be. And then in front of you, you see this like pillar and it's like this pillar of a cloud. And then as night comes, this pillar, it changes from being a cloud to being this pillar of fire. And you're reminded of God. And you're reminded of how you were safe by the blood. But you come to the edge of the Red Sea And as you do, you hear this rumbling sound behind you, the sound of chariots. And so you look behind and you see Pharaoh. And the mass of people among you, they just go into this frenzy, into this panic. But then out of the corner of your eye, you see Moses. He's he's a bit far off. He does something odd. He takes his staff and he puts it. He puts his staff into the Red Sea. And when he does, it's like you can't even believe what happens. It's like your eyes pop out of their sockets because you see this sea divide. And then you see thousands of people like cross. And they cross. And then it's your turn and you cross and you, you pause for a moment and you look down and you can see that you are walking on ground. And then you look beside you and on either side there are just these towering walls of water. And you just think, oh, my God is stronger than I thought. And then once you're, once you're out and you can see most people are safe, you hear this sound and it's a crashing sound and so you look behind again and you see that Pharaoh and his army have been swallowed up by the water but then you hear another sound and it's the sound of singing singing just erupts over the people and throughout the camps and it's a song of deliverance and freedom because You've been let out. You've been saved. It's hard to imagine what it would have been like to experience God's saving power in that way. Just a wonder of wonders. But for anyone who knows that story, knows that it doesn't end on that high point. Like, it it doesn't. They're, They're singing... It quickly turns to grumbling. Like in Exodus 17, verse 7, it says that, you know, after they've been set free and that's been great, they start complaining and they start arguing and they start grumbling that they don't have enough water. And so God tells Moses to hit a rock and so water comes out. But then he says this in Exodus. He called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? 
We've got a bit of a history lesson happening in Hebrews 3. But just something interesting that I want to show you guys, that that's, that's a quote from Psalm 95. And in Psalm 95, the, the original meaning of rebellion and testing is Meribah and Massa. Like the name of the place where the Israelites quarreled. The name of the place where the Israelites hardened their hearts. And they hardened their hearts for 40 years as they wandered in the wilderness. And so we come back now to Hebrews 3 and we hear the warning. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. And the author in Hebrews continues and says, Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said they were always going to strain their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. And you know what? They didn't. Well, two did, Joshua and Caleb, but they didn't, that generation. I think Numbers 14 verse 11 sums up all that was going on really well when God says, how long will these people despise me? How long will they not trust in me despite all the signs I have performed among them? What's the point of all this? What's the point of reminding those people and us of that moment in history? Well, those people, they had seen miraculous things. Like they had witnessed God's mighty arm. And yet they hardened their hearts in unbelief. They stopped trusting in him and taking him at his word. In a couple of weeks over Easter, we're going to be celebrating an even greater salvation. The old, old story that never gets old. Where Jesus came and he died for sinners like you and me and he rose again so that we could be free, so that we could be saved. And yet the warning is that we would not harden our hearts in unbelief to this great news, this great message of salvation. There's a big warning from this passage. But the author goes on in verse 12 and he says this. Watch out or take care, brothers. Which means when he says brothers, it means Christians or those that are calling themselves Christians. Watch out, brothers, so that, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Verse 14, For we have become companions of the Messiah, 
if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. It's a big warning we've received from this passage. But how are we to respond? What are we to do? I want to give us two things. First, we are called to hold fast. Verse 14, the end there. Hold fast or hold firm to what? To the reality we had at the start. What is that? It's Jesus. The centerpiece of this whole letter. Hold fast to Jesus, your sovereign saviour. Because when we hold fast to him, his blood keeps us safe when we're under it. When we hold fast to him, he leads us through something greater than the Red Sea. He leads us through death. See, this holding fast to him, this faith in Jesus, this proves or it shows that in verse 14 that we are companions with him, that we are saved. And so in light of this warning, would we hold fast to the one that holds you? Know this, that those that are God's children, they will persevere until the end and until that final rest because they will hear his warnings. They will listen. They will respond. And they will hold on to him and be saved by him. And so, let us hold fast. But building on that, I think we're also called in in light of this warning to listen, to listen to God. See, after the Israelites were freed from Egypt, it wasn't too long until they started building that giant big golden calf and they started worshipping it. This big thing that was about as lifeless and immovable as a concrete slab. And yet how is God described in this passage? He's described as the living God. And his word is the living word, as it says in Hebrews 4, living and active. And verse 7, when, when the author is quoting Psalm 95, it says, The Holy Spirit says God's word speaks to us today through the scriptures. And so in light of this warning, would we hold fast to the one that holds on to us? But also would we listen to him? God's children listen to him. John Stoddard, a famous Christian pastor, said that the spiritually dead people are a deaf people because they stop listening to this living and active word and their hearts become hard and callous. I don't know about you, but I have loved this sermon series in Vital Signs. Because every week, just like what we do every week at church, we've been opening up the Bible and listening. Like right back in week one, we, as we opened up the Bible, we saw that the, the call to faithfully follow Jesus, 
to stick with him. And so I pray that we wouldn't harden our hearts, but we would listen to that and we would take the next step. And maybe for you, you've never trusted in Jesus. You've never started following him. And maybe you want to start doing that tonight. Well, the next step for you, we've actually got an Introducing Jesus course coming up next term on May 1. A four-week course, super relaxed, where you're actually able to dive deeper into these big questions. But that's what we've done. Each week we, we, we've opened up the Bible and we've seen that, you know, disciples of Jesus were called to be gospel spreaders and to prayerfully gather around his word and to be growing in Christ-like character and to be living a generous lifestyle. And, and maybe as we've been opening up God's word week after week after week, you've been convicted by things. God's been prodding and poking. And I pray that we wouldn't harden our hearts, but we would listen to what God has been saying. And we would see what next steps he wants us to take. Like maybe for you, it's thinking about and praying about that person that you want to invite to that Easter, the Easter services coming up. Maybe it's starting to join a growth group or doing a one-to-one -one with someone so that we're encouraging one another so that we're not hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Maybe it's growing in repentance and continuing to confess your sin, pouring yourselves out in service and in love for one another. Maybe it's prayerfully revisiting our budget and our giving or our hospitality habits or the ways that we serve at church. But God's children listen and I pray that we would and we would respond. But maybe you've been convicted in this series about a number of things, as you've heard God's living word, but you think, oh, that's, that's good, that's fine. But, you know, life's pretty busy at the moment. And I'll, like, I'll just wait until, like, Easter's done or term two's done or, and we procrastinate. I don't know about you, but I think... Procrastination can be fun sometimes. And I think maybe as Australians, maybe we're good at it. I actually saw that there's a person that has a record for being a procrastinator. Um, get this. He was, the, he was the world's greatest Christmas decorations removal procrastinator. What a title. What a record. What goals. We... we we procrastinate, we love it, and we just, we just say, do you know what, like, tomorrow. I'll get to that tomorrow. But church, if God has convicted you from his word, he says, today, 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 if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I'm going to finish with a prayer. It's a, it's a prayer that I sometimes pray before I read the Bible for myself. And so I'm going to end with it. It's a prayer by a guy called George Herbert, but I'm going to add a little bit to the start. So why don't you join with me 
as I pray. Today, God, as we hear your voice, O God, make your word a swift word, passing from ear to the heart, from the heart to the lip and conversation, that as the rain returns not empty, so neither may your word, but accomplish that for which it is given. Amen.